0: Long History The Southern United States in the 1500s Point Part 11 Haughtiness and Contempt in Alabama Hello everyone, how are you and welcome to Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. This text describes an expedition from the mid 1500s to explore large parts of the southerly United States of the US, from Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. This expedition was headed by Hernando de Soto and began in April 1538. This narrative was written by a Portuguese man known as the Gentleman of Elvis. So for any new listeners to Long History we take source documents from history and split them up into 10 minute chunks. This particular document is split up into 25 parts and we're on to episode 11, so if you haven't already look up episode 1 in this series to start from the beginning and subscribe to be notified of the remaining episodes in this series. So just to give a little introduction to this episode, having travelled through the southern Atlantic states of the future United States from Florida up to North Carolina, then inland and down through eastern Tennessee. De Soto's expedition is now in central Alabama in lands held by a man called Tuscaloosa. Until now we could say that De Soto has had the upper hand with local groups. He's been kidnapping their leaders as they cross their lands to make sure that they have safe passage. Tuscaloosa, however, appears to have been forewarned of the arrival of the Spanish and appears to be ready for confrontation. As the previous episode ended, He warned the Spanish that if they wanted peace, they should go as soon as possible. In this episode, we find out the Spanish response. So here we go with the Southern United States in the 1500s, part 11, Haughtiness and Contempt in Alabama. Chapter 18. How the Indians rose upon the governor and what followed upon that rising. The governor, in view of the determination and furious answer of the cacique, thought to soothe him with soft words to which he made no answer but with great haughtiness and contempt withdrew to where Soto could not see nor speak to him. The governor that he might send word to the cacique for him to remain at his country at his will and to be pleased to give him a guide and persons to carry burdens that he might see if he could pacify him with gentle words called to a chief who was passing by. The Indian replied loftily that he would not listen to him Baltasar de Gallegos, who was near, seized him by the cloak of skins that he had on, drew it off over his head, and left it in his hands. Whereupon, the Indians all beginning to rise, he gave him a stroke with a cutlass that laid open his back when they, with loud yells, came out of the houses discharging their bows. The governor, discovering that if he remained there they could not escape, and if he should order his men who were outside of the town to come in, The horses might be killed by the Indians from the houses and great injury done, he ran out. But before he could get away he fell two or three times and was helped to rise by those with him. He and they were all badly wounded. But in the town five Christians were instantly killed. Coming forth he called out to all his men to get farther off because there was much harm doing from the palisade. The natives, discovering that the Christians were retiring and some, if not the greater number, had more than a walk, The Indians followed with great boldness, shooting at them, or striking down such as they could overtake. Those in chains having set down their burdens near the fence while the Christians were retiring, the people of Mauiya lifted the loads onto their backs and, bringing them into the town, took off their irons, putting bows and arms in their hands with which to fight. Thus did the foe come into possession of all the clothing, pearls and whatsoever else the Christians had beside, which was what the Indians carried. Since the natives had been at peace as far as to that place, some of us, putting our arms in the luggage, had gone without any, and two who were in the town had their swords and halberds taken from them and put to use. The governor, presently as he found himself in the field, called for a horse, and, with some followers, returned and lanced two or three of the Indians, the rest, going back into the town, shot arrows from the palisade, those who would venture on their nimbleness came out a stone's throw from behind it to fight, retiring from time to time when they were set upon. At the time of the affray there was a friar, a clergyman, a servant to the governor and a female slave in the town, who, having no time in which to get away, took to a house, and there remained until after the Indians became masters of the place. They closed the entrance with a lattice door, and there being a sword among them, which the servant had, he put himself behind the door, striking at the Indians that would have come in, while on the other side stood the friar and the priest, each with a club in hand, to strike down the first that should enter. The Indians, finding that they could not get in by the door, began to unroof the house. At this moment the cavalry were all arrived at Mauiya with the infantry that had been on the march, when a difference of opinion arose as to whether the Indians should be attacked in order to enter the town, for the result was held doubtful, but finally it was concluded to make the assault. CHAPTER Nineteen: HOW THE GOVERNOR SET HIS MEN IN ORDER OF BATTLE AND ENTERED THE TOWN OF MAUIYA So soon as the advance and the rear of the force were come up, the governor commanded that all the best arms should dismount, of which he made four squadrons of footmen. The Indians, observing how he was going on arranging his men, urged the cacique to leave, telling him, as was afterwards made known by some women who were taken in the town, that as he was but one man, and could fight but as one only, there being many chiefs present, very skilful and experienced in matters of war, any one of whom was able to command the rest, and as things in war were so subject to fortune that it was never certain which side would overcome the other, they wished him to put his person in safety, for if they should conclude their lives there, on which they had resolved rather than surrender, he would remain to govern the land, but for all that they said, he did not wish to go, until from being continually urged with fifteen or twenty of his own people, he went out of the town, taking with him a scarlet cloak and other articles of the Christian's clothing, being whatever he should carry and that seemed best to him. The governor, informed that the Indians were leaving the town, commanded the cavalry to surround it, and into each squadron of foot he put a soldier with a brand to set fire to the houses, that the Indians might have no shelter. His men being placed in full concert, he ordered an arquebus to be shot off. At the signal, the four squadrons, at their proper points, commenced a furious onset and, both sides severely suffering, the Christians entered the town. The friar, the priest and the rest who were with them in the house were all saved, though at the cost of the lives of two brave and very able men who went thither to their rescue. The Indians fought with so great spirit that they many times drove our people back out of the town. The struggle lasted so long that many Christians, weary and very thirsty, went to drink at a pond nearby, tinged with the blood of the killed, and returned to the combat. The governor, witnessing this, with those who followed him in the returning charge of the footmen, entered the town on horseback, which gave opportunity to fire the dwellings. Then, breaking in upon the Indians and beating them down, they fled out of the place, the cavalry and infantry driving them back through the gates, where losing the hope of escape, they fought valiantly, and the Christians, getting among them with cutlasses, they found themselves met on all sides by their strokes, when many, dashing headlong into the flaming houses, were smothered and, heaped one upon another, burned to death. They who perished there were in all 2,500, a few more or less. Of the Christians there fell 18, among whom was Don Carlos, brother-in-law of the governor, One Juan de Gámez, a nephew, men, Rodríguez, a Portuguese, and Juan Vázquez, of Villanueva de Bargarota, men of condition and courage. The rest were infantry. Of the living, 150 Christians had received 700 wounds from the arrow, and God was pleased that they should be healed in little time of very dangerous injuries. Twelve horses died, and 70 were hurt. The clothing the Christians carried with them, the ornaments for saying mass and the pearls, were all burned there they having set fire themselves because they considered the loss less than the injury they might receive of the Indians from within the houses where they had brought the things together. The governor, learning in Mauilla that Francisco Maldonado was waiting for him in the port of Ochuse, six days travel distant, he caused Juan Ortiz to keep the news secret, that he might not be interrupted in his purpose, because the pearls he wished to send to Cuba for show, that their fame might raise the desire of coming to Florida, had been lost and he feared that, hearing of him without seeing either gold or silver, or other thing of value from that land, it would come to have such reputation that no one would be found to go there when men should be wanted, so he determined to send no news of himself until he should have discovered a rich country. Chapter 20 How the Governor Set Out from Auella to Go to Chicasa and What Befell Him From the time the governor arrived in Florida, until he went from Mauiya, there died 102 Christians, some of sickness, others by the hand of the Indians. Because of the wounded, he stopped in that place 28 days, all the time remaining out in the fields. The country was a rich soil and well inhabited, some towns were very large and were picketed about. The people were numerous everywhere, the dwellings standing a crossbow shot or two apart, On Sunday, the 18th of November, the sick being found to be getting on well, the governor left Mauilla, taking with him a supply of maize for two days. He marched five days through a wilderness, arriving in a province called Pafayaya, at the town Taliepatawa, and thence he went to another, named Cabusto, near which was a large River, whence the Indians on the farther bank shouted to the Christians that they would kill them should they come over there. He ordered the building of a piragua within the town, That the natives might have no knowledge of it which being finished in four days and ready he directed it to be taken on sleds half a league upstream and in the morning thirty men entered it well armed the indians discovering what was going on they who were nearest went to oppose the landing and did the best they could but the christians drawing near and the piragua being about to reach the shore they fled into some cane breaks the men on horses went up the river to secure a landing place to which the governor passed over, with the others that remained. Some of the towns were well stored with maize and beans. Thence, towards Chiasa, the governor marched five days through a desert, and arrived at a river, on the farther side of which were Indians, who wished to arrest his passage. In two days another piragua was made, and when ready he sent an Indian in it to the cacique, to say that if he wished his friendship he should quietly wait for him. But they killed the messenger before his eyes, and with loud yells departed. He crossed the river the 17th of December, and arrived the same day at Chicasa, a small town of 20 houses. There the people underwent severe cold, for it was already winter, and snow fell. The greater number were then lying in the fields, it being before they had time to put up habitations. The land was thickly inhabited, the people living about over it as they do in Mauiya. and as it was fertile, the greater part being under cultivation, there was plenty of maize. So much grain was brought together as was needed for getting through with the season. Some Indians were taken, among whom was one the cacique greatly esteemed. The governor sent an Indian to the cacique to say that he desired to see him and have his friendship. He came and offered him the services of his person, territories and subjects. He said that he would cause two chiefs to visit him in peace. In a few days he returned with them, they bringing their Indians they presented the governor 150 rabbits with clothing of the country, such as shawls and skins. The name of one of them was Ali Alimamu, of the other, Nicolasa. Even though de Soto was told to go as quickly as possible if he wanted peace, the initial attack by the local people seems to take him by surprise. However, the Spanish respond by massacring the local people, even by this account, 2,500 people burning to death. Hernando de Soto's expedition began in Florida in May 1539. By the end of this episode, it was November 1840. In those 18 months, according to text in this episode, 102 expedition members have died. In this episode, in the meantime, de Soto makes a fateful decision which can easily go by unnoticed. As the pearls and the treasures that he's brought with him burn alongside the 2,500 Indians, de Soto is left with nothing to give a messenger. That messenger had come on behalf of Francisco Maldonado, who was waiting for him on the coast, to send news of the De Soto expedition back to Cuba. However, with no riches to impress this man and the people back in Cuba, as this quote says, he determined to send no news of himself until he should have discovered a rich country. This is not the first time that De Soto has decided to continue on and look for a richer country, and as we have said previously, De Soto will pay dearly for this stubbornness. In the next episode, De Soto moves on to today's Mississippi state. However, with news of this massacre preceding him, there are more skirmishes and battles ahead. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Long History. Please give this episode a like if you've reached this point. Don't forget to subscribe to be informed of future episodes in this series. Thank you for listening and goodbye.